Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I am Cynthia Garrett, and you know the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while seeking to apply real faith. And what we hope to do is to inspire all of you, whether you're real girls or real guys, to uh, confront your life from the point of view that matters most. What would God do? What would God think? You know, everyone used to wear the wristbands. What would Jesus do? And I'd like to think that that is the question that is not asked enough in our uh, day-to-day lives, in our existence, right? What would Jesus do? What would he think about you? What would he think about the news? What would he think about our recent elections? What would he think about your thoughts? What's your purpose? What did God create you to do? What did God create you to be? Your identity is at the very core of these questions, and the answer to all of these questions is found in the Word of God. I often find it really funny because if you move in certain Christian circles, you'll, you'll, you'll meet a lot of people who always say, oh, pray for me and see if you get a word. Do you have a word for me? What they're asking is they're asking another believer, usually someone they think is a little bit more mature in walking with the Holy Spirit than them to see if they hear from God for whatever it is that they're going through. And I mean, I find this to be very powerful and all of that, but I have learned something. Uh, Jesus is the word, you know, the word was with God and, and, and the word came into the world. I mean, just read the first chapter of John, you know, in the beginning was the word right? And the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning, meaning that the word that you're all seeking about who you are and how you should live your life and what you should do about the neighbor who annoys you or the colleague that you want to punch in the face at least three times a day is found in the word. That's it. The word that you need is the word of God. That's your Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And here in the Western world, especially in America, we have sort of been the leaders of the rest of the world in terms of our boldness about our Christian faith, about the Bible. You know, we're not ashamed to say that we read it. We're not embarrassed to have worship conferences and come together and praise the Lord, which, by the way, is one of the things we're created to do. We're created to worship him and to praise him, you know, and underneath that there's a lot of subheadings of the things that we should be doing with our lives. But more than anything, we need to understand that we're sons and daughters, you know, and the whole world waits, right? All of creation groans and waits for the revealing of us, you know? And so in any case, joining me today to pick up on these identity conversations that we're having, because really every issue that we talk about seems to root itself in our understanding of our identity 
or our lack of understanding of our identity. What identity? Our identity in Christ, our identity as created by God, our creator. Because in beginning, he created us and he created the heavens and the earth. And he had a wonderful plan (laughs) for all of us. And I know a lot of you who listen or who are watching don't often feel like the plan is working for you. Like right now today, you might be going through some stuff that are, it's really making you feel like God's plan cannot be syncing up with your plan for your life because you're not happy or you're filled with fear or you're just scared because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But the word that you need is the word that we are here to fellowship about, be transparent about, talk about, ask questions about, dive into, and sharpen each other over. And joining me today is my favorite guy guest here on Girl Club. I also happen to be married to him, and he's about the best husband that anybody can have, in my opinion. Uh, He certainly was created for me, Roger Charles. Hey, honey, how you doing? Hi, hon. Well, I love having you in studio. The girls are not in studio this week. Um, and, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of, of traveling ministry coming up in the next couple of weeks. And so I'm taking advantage of having Roger join us. I know I get a lot of emails and comments whenever you're on Raj, because, um, number one, I think it gives the guys who stumble upon us or who are members here of girl club to watch, but it also, it gives them permission in some way, but it also gives, I think a really unique perspective to everything that we're talking about. Roger is a theologian and a scholar, and I've never met anyone, uh, not anyone. And I mean, I don't know that there are more than maybe one or two pastors on pulpits today that I could honestly say know as much about the word as my husband. Um, I can ask him any question and he has an answer. And only because he studies to show himself approved to God. You know, he stays in the word and it is a beautiful thing when you can actually talk about, break down, apply, share, you know, acknowledge the word of God, the truth of God, you know, the voice of God, because you know it. And honestly, you know, in our identity as Christians, we've got to really understand who we are. And who we are is so deeply connected in us knowing the word of God. You know, R.T. Kendall said on one of my TBN shows one year, and I know you remember this, Roger. He said, the problem with Christians is that they don't read the Bible. You know, we've had freedom in the Western church to read our Bibles, you know, openly. There are parts of the world where people can't get a Bible or they, if they can get it, they can't read it openly. You know, I mean, we've been to parts of China where I will go to Google or to search something, you know, scriptural on the internet or a Bible verse, and it doesn't pop up because you can't get it. So I want to talk in these identity talks, Roger. I'm going to actually, um, I want to introduce something new that we're doing here on uh, at Girl Club, and it, it, you're going to be the first guest on. Um, I, like everybody, find myself scrolling around social media sometimes looking at, you know, different comments, different things pop up on your phone or what have you, you know, it's like living with, you know, a walking television advert in your hand every day. But there are a lot of times there are are things that I stumble across that make my head explode, you know, explode because they're so true, you know, because there's some great Christian content or comments that you can find on Instagram and TikTok and social media and, you know, Facebook, whenever we're not all getting censored. But there's also some things I stumble upon on social media that make my head explode because they're so wrong. You know, they're so bad. They're so confused or twisted. You know, whatever the case may be, we're going to do a segment uh, called Social Media Diamonds. And we're going to do it right now today. And Anna is going to load in our first social media diamonds clip. And I want everybody to have a listen, have a watch if you're watching us on live stream. And uh, we're going to talk about it because part of your identity really needs to understand this point. 
Yo, so I said, I said I wasn't going to do this, but it's really been nagging me all day. Today, I saw something that said Jesus's kingdom is upside down. And I'll be honest with you, every time I hear that phrase, like I literally want to scream uh, because I just don't think that that's true. Like, I think Jesus's kingdom is right side up and that the kingdom of this world is the one that's upside down. I think Jesus' kingdom is calling us back to the way in which we were created to live. I think Jesus' kingdom is telling us that, yo, like your world is upside down <laughs> and that it needs to be turned right side up and that the ways of Jesus helps us to get the world back to the original uh, design, the original vision that God had in mind when he created like the heavens and the earth and when he created humans, like he didn't create us to spar with one another. He didn't create us to compete and to compare. He didn't create us to have enemies. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and is like, yo, I call you to love your enemy. That's not turning the, 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 you know, turning things upside down. That's turning things right side up saying like, no, this is not how I've created you to live. And so I know that this language is like really like catchy, you know, but I would say that it's not theologically like sound or correct. And I think when we sort of have this picture in our mind that know what Jesus is doing is not turning things upside down, but turning them right side up, that it helps us to be less resistant to what Jesus is doing because we realize that he's, he's inviting us into the life that we were created for. He's inviting us into things and, and commands and ways of living that are actually good for us. And yes, they may be countercultural to this world, but that like, yo, like the world can't be the standard, right? <laughs> like, like essentially that phrase is saying that the world is the standard and that everything else revolves around the world, the ways of the world. So the ways of the world is right side up and God's kingdom is upside down. Like, nah, bruh can't do it not gonna be able to do it we gotta we gotta scratch that we gotta scratch that and start all over i love her i love her yanajane yanajane i'm not sure what her name is um or I, I, or if i'm pronouncing it correctly but man sister dropped so much truth and anna sent that to me and i was like oh my goodness I've been one of those people, you know, I think there was a song when we first moved to Kansas, Roger, and by Misty Edwards, and it was singing about the upside down kingdom of God and how, you know, you die to gain and you, you know, you die to live and you lose to gain and beautiful song, but oh my goodness, it's, it's actually, the song's a little bit upside down because the reality is this young woman who just brought that word, talk about a social media diamond, that is the truth. God's kingdom is right side up. And in our identity as, as believers, as Christians, I think we need to know this. The way that we're told in the word to live is actually the right way. It's the way that we were created to live. It's what our identity needs to reflect. And the world is wrong. The world is not the standard. The world is upside down, twisted, and confused like a plate of spaghetti noodles. Am I right? And is she right? Roger, what do you think? No, of course she's right. I mean, it's, you know, there's... um I don't know that Misty was so far off on her song, but the, uh, the, um, no, she's not far off on the song. You know, when, the well, song uh, embraces the thinking and I mean, forget the song. We all embrace that thinking and it's not correct. Yeah. I think the, you know, she's right in that what people are used to is the kingdom of the world. Right. That's what they're used to. Right. And, uh, but if I was used to getting beaten every day by you, would that make it correct? No, it, it wouldn't at all. So she's right. One hundred percent. The uh, what I'm. Uh, what I'm saying, though, is, OK, so when Jesus uh, puts on a towel and he washes the feet of his disciples. And then he gets done and he ends up saying, you call me Lord and master and well, you should. In other words, I am your Lord and Master. 
but you, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, be the servant of all. Right. How many people are the servant of all? But what he's really playing into there, what he's really trying to show is, you know, in a big corporation, you have employees at the bottom and then you have employees higher up and higher up. And at the top, you have a CEO or a chairman. And all these people are there to support that person. In God's kingdom, the, the leader, the head person, in this case, it's God, supports all of the rest. And so when we think of, even the Bible talks about a lowly position, right? So it uses worldly language to get, him, to get it across to us. But what Jesus was showing his apostles was, if you're going to follow me, you're going to do like me. You're going to be a servant, even though you will be the leader. And this is what we see over and over in scripture, right? The up, what looks upside down to the world, but in the kingdom, it's the only way it works. Right. Which is why we talk so much about rock star Christian pastors. It's like, that's, that's the upside down kingdom. Total, well, totally upside down. I also happen to think that most people, when they become mature in their walk with the Lord, can sense when there's an upside down spirit in the church, you know, and, and maybe the pastor has taken on the role of rock star or there's, there's, you know, kind of self, I don't know, adoration going on. But I guess what I want to ask you is, why is it that in our identity as believers, we are so we are so convinced, honestly, we're so convinced that our way is wrong and that the world's way is right. And I say, I ask the question like that because we must be convinced that our way is wrong and the world's way is right because so many Christians do it the world's way instead of doing life God's way. I don't meet a lot of Christians that I would call surrendered lifestyle Christianity Christians. You know what I mean? Where Jesus, I, Jesus is Lord of everything. I agree. I think there's a, a comparison to the world that really is. And look, in some ways, okay, like with how I do my job, I better be as good or better than the people in the world. I mean, it's my job. But. So if you're a surgeon, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter whether the other surgeons follow God or not in the sense that if they do a successful surgery, you want to learn about it. One that you haven't done or a way you haven't done it. You want to be continually learning about your skill. You don't only read the Bible to learn how to be a better surgeon. So in the world and in the world system, it is true we do look at and compare with other people so that we might be the very best of where we, uh, of what God has called us to do. We don't look at them in jealousy and we don't look at them in the comparison of whether or not I'm good or whatever. We look at it to get better. Okay. If you're a musician, you don't only listen. If you're a producer of TV shows or, or records, you don't just listen to the, you listen to the best producers regardless. You want to know, you want to learn the very best of your skill. So in the world, that's one thing. In the kingdom, it's another thing. We're to serve all. In fact, the first will be last in the kingdom. You got somebody who always wants to be in the front of line, who wants to sit in the front row, that wants the best of everything. Watch out. God says the first will be last. Yeah. So we're to be humble. Was Jesus humble? Jesus was totally humble. Was he desiring to be first and everything? Not at all. So, you know, when the opportunities came for people to glorify Jesus, he did not even allow those opportunities. Right. Pretty interesting. Right. So <clears throat> we're to, it's upside down from the way we learned life, I yeah. think. But in all fairness, she's right. Christians shouldn't talk that way. We should talk the other way. You know, we should talk as strongly about uh, 
God's kingdom being the right way as we do about Jesus being the way. Yeah. Well, you know why I think it's important? It's important because every psychologist, every child psychologist will tell you the words you speak over your children to your children, the language you use is super important. And, you know, I was at dinner with Christian and Sasha the other night, my son's, my son's girlfriend. And, um, we're talking about just identity and the, and the difference in how different parents raise their kids and what have you. And one of the things Christian, my son was saying about me is that I did a really great job in the languaging I put over him. He's like, you always told me I could do anything I set my mind to. You always called me champ. You, you always like I, he always felt like a winner, you know, from my mouth. And that's important to me. That was really important to me because I know I'm not perfect. And I know that I have my, you know, mistakes that I made. But one of the things that I was very intentional about was the language and what I spoke over him. You know, James says, uh, you know, hey, the power of life and death are in the tongue, you know, so I want to speak blessing all the time, you know, if I can. And I'm not, I, I, I was very good at it with my son. Sometimes I haven't been so great at it. I'm sure, you know, as a wife or as a sister or a daughter, but I was, I did try to be intentional about it. And I do think, you know, it's, it's something that I learned in my dynamic with my mom, you know, who, who, who sometimes, you know, whose comments sometimes, or whose blessings sometimes ended with a sharp comment and, and not because she's not my biggest supporter on the earth. You know, this Raj, but just because, oh, yeah. because perfection is achievable by me in her mind. <laughs> so, you know, so she's going to push, 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 push until I get there. But, um, and I just don't think we ever achieve perfection here, but it, it was a beautiful thing that he said, you know, um, our words, you know, are important. And so the way that we speak about our relationship as a Christian, as a believer, the way we speak about the kingdom of God, the way we speak about God is important, I think, to our identity being solid and strong and confident. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. I I um I think that if there's nothing that I could learn, you know, from that, you know, any more about my identity as a as a as a as a Christian, and and there's many more things I I will learn, I'm sure. But if there was nothing more that I could learn, I really got a big, big diamond, you know, from that particular video. Um, so I don't know who you are, or where you are. You're not you're not Janae, Yana Janae, but you know, if you if you if you happen to stumble on Girl Club, come on down and join us, right? But um, yeah. I thought it was really beautiful. Part of your identity, you know, if you're listening at all, is to understand that you are part of the right kingdom, the right side up kingdom. And the way that we're supposed to live, you know, is actually the way that we win. You know, the way that we lose is to try to live upside down the way that the world lives, you know, because it's, it's, uh, we live in a world that has people really confused and struggling for identity and searching. And it that sort of social media diamond kind of leads me to um, what would probably be about the eighth sort of quality that I would say uh, you need to remember in in thinking about what your identity is, right? And we've been having a series of conversations for those of you who've been with us just about identity, you know, spiritual identity, all things identity. And we've run through, you know, what God says that you are, you know, we've tried to answer the question, who does God say you are and give you some truths about your identity. And, you know, I've told you things in the past few weeks that are very important. Like number one, you're a saint. You need to know you're a saint. Number two, you're blessed. You need to understand that you're, you're blessed. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. You're appreciated. Knowing that you're appreciated by God is really a big one because I think a lot of us sort of walk around wondering what God even thinks about us 
will understand that the fact that you're appreciated by God means that you're important. You're important. Your life is important. There are things and good works that have been prepared for you to just step into and embrace. Your life is important no matter where you are in it, no matter what stage you are, at what stage you are in your life. Your life is important. The next chapter that you're walking into is likely to be the most important chapter of your life. So you need to understand that. Number four, you're saved. Well, it's easy to think that we're saved because we believe that Jesus Christ is our savior and that he came to earth and he was crucified, died and and was buried and then rose again on the third day for us, right? But I like to see being saved as, you know, I'm saved continually all the time. God is saving me constantly because I've chosen to place my faith in Christ, you know? And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it better. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, so I just think it's a beautiful thing, the reality of how we come to be saved through Christ, but also how that plays itself out in our everyday life, in all of our challenges and our struggles and our trials. We're saved, you know, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's no changing from any of this. You're reconciled. That's a big one. Because of Jesus's death on the cross, we are reconciled to God. Now, I got to tell you, if you study the Bible and you start in Genesis, one thing you're going to learn really quickly, start at the beginning, is that we really needed to be reconciled to God. Because if you, Adam and Eve sort of, they messed up in the garden, but then it gets really, really bad here on earth. And, and by the time, you know, God wipes out the earth with Noah uh, and, and, and you've got all these new people and new situations that come and then they've got their own problems and then you get to Babel and then God's got a scatter man and he, now he's speaking in different languages. Let me tell you something. We needed to be reconciled to God. And I think about it all the time. We are capable of being a mess. But instead of God seeing us as a mess, he gave us a way that we could come to him and be found righteous. It's a pretty beautiful thing. It's a pretty beautiful gift. The sixth thing we spoke about was that you're afflicted. In this world, we will have tribulation, but fear not, for Jesus has overcome the world. The seventh thing we spoke about was the fact that you're heard. And you know that you're heard if you've ever had a prayer answered. You know that you're heard if you've ever really committed some time to reading the word of God. The word is something that you can hear. It is alive. It is active. And it cuts through all of the mess right to the heart of the matter. And that was my way of paraphrasing uh, a scripture because I just love saying it that way. It really does. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, you know? So today we're going to start, we're going to look at the fact that we're gifted. And I think if you start to understand that we in the kingdom of God, living and walking according to the word of God, embracing our full identity scripturally as created by God, makes us able to also say with confidence, we're gifted because we are. And I think also understanding it this way will keep you from getting the big head, right? God has given you special abilities. He's given all of us special abilities that he wants us to use in our life and in the Christian ministry work that he's called us to do, right? So both inside the church and out in your community, at work, in your family, in our nations, you know, whatever you're doing, God has stuff for you. He has gifts for you to use. And they're all about how you were made and where your passions lie. Now, you can discover those gifts by asking yourself questions like, who or where do I have a passion to serve? What do I have a burden to do? What needs do I see in the church that need to be satisfied? What do I find joy in doing for others? What opportunities has God already provided for me to serve others? What things am I good at? What am I best at? And what do I have the most success doing? What have godly people commended me for doing? Or this one, 
what acts of service have given me the deepest sense of satisfaction? Ask yourself all those questions. Ask yourself, but then apply this, Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11 says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So, Roger, you know, if we go from there into Romans 12, verses four to eight, I believe it is, for just as each of us has one body with many members, right? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it first, but I really want to get your take on all of this. So Romans 12, verses four to eight says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, I happen to already know many of us occupy many of these gifts. And um, I find it to be so beautiful, Roger, because, of course, this is talking about the spiritual area of our gifting, but it doesn't, it's not separate from your gift, maybe as a singer, as an artist, as an, a songwriter, as an, as a, a, an author, right? As a doctor, a lawyer, because your spiritual identity and your spiritual gift can play itself out in those other kinds of gifts that many of us have. What do you think about that? Well, I don't, first of all, I, there's, there's like a conflation there. Um, who you are is not what you do. Right. And your gifting doesn't make you who you are either. So Jesus's identity was the son of God, right? Like his whole right. identity was in the father. And in fact, he passes that on to his children um, and makes them his brothers and tells them to pray to the father over and over and over and over again. In fact, his prayer that he teaches them, our father who aren't in heaven. He is saying, you are children of your father. In fact, there are times he talks to people who are not children of his father. He says, you are children of your father, the devil. So he um, he's very clear about our identity being children of the father. We are in the family of heaven. You know, when you're in the family of the mafia, okay, when, you're, when your identity is to the Godfather, it is very obvious how the whole thing is put together. You're in a family. Now, I'm not using that to glorify that. What I'm saying is that identity is very tight. It's a very tight identity. Um, gangs do this. Uh, cults do this, but somehow Christians sort of fail at it. Like I have to look at other Christians as just children of the father. Uh, you know, it's, a. Uh, I shouldn't even say just children. They are his children. I should value other Christians because of that. I should lift them up because of that. I should understand that we're tied together forever because of that. That I will live with them forever, forever because of that. I'm in a family and my identity, I cannot lose. 
Jesus said, all that I put in, you've, I forget, I think it's all that I put into your hand, you've kept. Like the father can't lose anybody out of his hand. If you're his child, it's impossible. You get to rely on the father's strength. You get to rely on God being your father. Um, I had a job where they they were very early on in my career where they used to threaten me all the time. Just threaten me over and over just because I was a Christian. And they would ask me, how come you're not afraid? And I would say, because you don't know who my father is. And they would be like, they all would sit around and talk about who is Roger's father. They were afraid. They were afraid my my father was some mafia hitman. They were they were scared because I just kept saying the same thing over and over. You don't know. Yeah, I, I I get that. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think that my my dad is a billionaire because I I have looked at many a situation before and said it's fine. My dad's rich. I got it. <laughs> and and that's the attitude we should have, right? Yeah. When people are threatening you. You should be like, oh, my father's got this. Like when you mess with me, you mess with him. Yeah. And so number one, number two, your gifting is because you're his kid. You're gifting, you are gifted and that is part of your identity, but not the specific gifts. In other words, because we're all one body and we all need each other. In other words, you're not a complete body without the head kind of thing, without the eyes, without so on. Uh, you know, you know that your specific part that you bring to the body is because you're, the body is the body of Christ. You are part of the family of heaven. So, that whole picture of us being the body of Christ is now that Jesus has gone to heaven. In other words, now that he's not physically in the earth, the physical representation of him is us. So if I am gifted, let's say to give, or if I'm gifted to give prophetic words, if I'm gifted to lead, if I'm gifted to help, if I'm gifted to show mercy, whatever it is, whatever part I bring to the whole, it's all because we're children of the Father. So that's what I, I would like to say about every part is needed, and therefore we're all equal. But we have to understand that because we're all family. Yeah. Yeah, but what about people who, for example, are very talented painters, or maybe they're talented singers or what have you, but they don't, they don't, they don't know God at all? or they don't acknowledge him, or they don't believe in him. So those are not spiritual gifts. They can be supernaturally empowered, but they are not spiritual gifts in the sense of the type of gifts you get when the Holy Spirit dwells in. You know, read 1 Corinthians 12 and go through the list. But I get that, but I guess that's kind of... When you say what about it, what do you mean? Well... How do I want to say this? I get that, you know, these are spiritual gifts, teaching, serving, giving, you know, loving, prophesying, totally. But there are also there are also gifts, like some of us are gifted singers, some are gifted painters, some I shouldn't say some of us are gifted singers because I can't carry a tune, but um, you know what I mean. But um, but I'm a I'm a I'm a good writer, you know, I I'm I'm other things that I think I am certain kinds sure. of, of writing, We're some kind of, yeah, yeah. Some kind of writing. I'm not gifted it. Like, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. have different things that we can do. Um, so are the, I consider those to be gifts from God also. That's how he made us. If, if he's given us an ability or a talent, isn't that a gift as well? Not in the same sense. It is. No, gift. not in the same sense, but it is a right. gift. Sure. You were, oh. you know, okay, so when God made you, when he said, I am going to make Cynthia and bragged on you to all the angels, whatever, and he made you, yes, he made you unique. He made you good at some things. He made you talented at some things. He made you maybe not as gifted at some things. He made you unique. 
He wanted to have your attention in the area which he wanted you to have your attention in. Now, some of the things that he put into your personality, some people will appreciate. Some of the things that he put into your personality, others won't. And that's where you have to be really staunch in understanding who God thinks you are. When you get put back on what God made you to be. Mm. For example, I think, and, and by the way, this is true for each of us, for all of us, right? So you focus it in on, on me. I hate when you do that because you probably did that to make me squirm in the chair, but oh, that's I'll go okay. there. You only called me the best theologian in the world, so which I highly disagree with. Yeah, so, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, all right. We can, we, we yeah. can have a mutual, mutual love fest for a minute here, right. but... um. But since we since we're here, I, <laughs> if you're if you're live streaming with us today and not listening on podcast, then you would have just seen heart emojis all over the screen. But for those of you who are listening on podcast, we love you too. All right, continuing on. Um, I under I guess I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying is, you know, like for example, one of the ways that I believe that. God made me to be is I'm bold, you know, I'm, I'm bold and vocal about, about my faith. And I believe that we all should be bold and vocal about our faith in our own way, because everybody has a different way. So, um, and you're right. Some people may not appreciate my way. Totally right. Some people might be inspired by my way. Um, but, and, and you said, that's why it's important to know what God created you to be, like to really know so that yeah. in spite of other people's response to you, you're living authentically as you're supposed to live. Let me, let me give you an example out of the Bible. The apostle Paul said, along the lines of what you were talking about, I was appointed, very mm-hmm. important word there. He was appointed to do something. I was appointed to be a, an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher to the Gentiles. That was, his, that was his mission. That isn't who he is, but that was his mission. I was appointed to do this thing. Now, what's really important there is to look at Paul's life. Because we don't see him, let's call it, in his personality and talent, that narrow. We don't see him only as an apostle, a preacher, and teacher to the Gentiles. We see him many times with Jews. He's not successful there. So maybe that's what God was talking about. But also are very, I shouldn't say successful, marginally successful. And then the other thing is, is that he, um, does he prophesy? Yes. Does he, mm. he raises the dead. He, he does some crazy stuff, folks. Right. But what he he was appointed to do, he never takes his eye off the ball. So this is, I think, where I'm trying to get. So because most people, when they think about being gifted, they're trying to figure out what their actual skill set is, what their gift is. They're they're trying to figure out what they're here here to do. And and, right. And what we do is not who we are. It's what we do. So if you're a singer, you're a singer. If you're in, that's why some singers can worship Christ and operate in the prophetic or in encouragement, right? Or serve, you know, but some can be atheists. So it's, it's, you know, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a, a ballet dancer, if you're an actor, you know, that's what you do. These are the things that we do. Um, you know, I've been a television show host my whole life. My, you know, really my first real job and my career have always been on television, hosting TV programs. And so for me, I'm doing what I do, but I'm acting in my gifts when I'm here and I'm trying to serve anyone who's listening by sharing the gospel more, by encouraging other people to have faith, by serving in, in in this small way that I, I can. Um, you and I, I think, give pretty generously. Um, 
to certain to certain young people whom I believe are important to God. You know, I believe all young people are important to God, but we've got ones in our life who, you know, maybe need different things at different points in their in their lives, right? So um and I think as a leader, I try to lead diligently by being responsible about girl club, you know, showing up, being here, making sure that every week the ministry goes out. So that I'm operating then in my gifts of who I am in that way. But what I do is television. I could sit down and do this on a network and completely change the dialogue. And do you, do you follow what I'm saying? And share something totally different. So I I, I, I'm, uh, I'm trying to separate it out correctly. Yeah, well, here's the deal. This is why it's incredibly important to understand what God has made you to be and not necessarily just the mission. The mission, put it this way, when we first meet Paul, he is an unbeliever, and he is actually throwing Christians in jail, right? He's hunting them down, and he's throwing them in jail. And then that's when Jesus meets him. By the way, if you have people in your life you care about that have not yet come to God, don't worry. Jesus can knock them off their horse. Um and maybe you should pray for that. Well, anyway, Paul gets knocked to the ground and and uh, has an encounter with Jesus. Ironically, so Paul is this man who thought he was doing God's work. Oh, he says later he did what he was doing in ignorance. In other words, ironically, when Paul was yet an unbeliever, he was still he was actually trying to do what he thought God wanted to do. He was just actually fighting against God as we find out when he meets Jesus. Then the next thing we see, he's arguing in the synagogues, which doesn't appear to go that well. And uh, he is not like, if his life ended there, he would not be the apostle Paul that we think of. He was nowhere Mm -hmm. near being the apostle Paul that we think of. Right Now we know he is, Every bit the man that God made at that point. We forget that it took Paul many years to get from there to when he would call himself an apostle. Let's call it almost two decades, decade and a half, until he is finally who we think of, you know, maybe writing a book in the Bible. So, he starts to be the person we think about 15 years later. The thing is, he never takes his eye off the mark either, even before that. He's still pressing in. He's still after God. People don't like him too much. He can't come to Jerusalem because some of the family of Jerusalem he put in jail or killed. So, you know, the Apostle Paul is not super welcome. But later, when he is more welcome in the body of Christ, He's able to say the amount of grace that God gave him. And not only that, he also is able to see who God made. He's Mm -hmm. over what he had done. He's over painting a picture of himself based off his actions. David was a man after God's own heart. That's his title over his head. Man after God's own heart. That's David's title. That's why God picked him. God says so. You don't want to you want to know what God thought of David? He's a man after my own heart. And we see David with Bathsheba. We see David with her husband and that, you know, what he does. Yeah, we and see we, an we, we see an adult, we see an adulterer, we see a murderer, we see a cheater. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he did and he lied about it for two years afterwards until Nathan confronted him. So he he was a murderer. He was a liar. By the way, a lot of people died at the same time as our husband because he put everybody in harm's way in a battle just so he could die. He let other guys die. Like it's truly, truly hideous what David did. Yet somehow God says, he's a man after my own heart. Yeah. And we all sit there and go, I don't know. It looks like he's after his own heart. Yeah. But I mean, the beautiful thing about, about, that you know the beautiful thing about uh, the reality of of how god sees us is that 
<laughs> you know, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote Bishop Charles Blake from the West Angeles Church of God in Christ. He sees us in the future and we look much better than we do today. Yeah. And it, look, that's a great thing to say over and over your life. It's a great grace statement over our lives because we always look better in the future because God's not done with us. Now for, for us, we tend to look at where we are right now and look at our feet and the next step my foot's going to take. We so live. It's ironic. We so live in the now with our circumstances, but we don't live in the now with God. Wow. Yeah. Well said. Because well said. if God, if God's standing with me and we both look at my feet, God's going to say, no, son, look up, look out. That's where I'm taking you. Quit looking at your feet. He's going to say, look at me. That's automatically going to pull your head up. Yeah, it is. But when I'm, I'm talking about the path of my life. Right. When I look at, the path of my life i look at my circumstances i look at to the right and i look to the left but david said though ten thousand are after me yet i put my trust in you you got me and we're talking about a man that literally had that an yeah. army after him yeah and yet god what happens to him he takes him and his 300 guys and they go in the back of a cave and when the whole army is out there, what's he do? He lets King Saul come into the cave to take a leak. And to, anyway, you get my point. He can bring Satan to his knees in front of you. Yeah. Your biggest enemy. But you got to trust the Lord. Yeah. And you got to know that you're valuable to him. So if you're valuable to him and you can trust him, then where are you? What, what, as you're, as you're, you being a child of God in, in your circumstances, you're victorious. Who can stand against God? Nobody. You know, there's a very famous uh, moment that happened with Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War, where they were about to lose the Civil War. Um, General Lee and the army was headed straight for uh, Washington. And, and uh, a man came to uh, Lincoln and said, uh, one of the military officers came to Lincoln and said, sir. And he was praying. He says, is God with us or with them? And Abraham Lincoln says, sir. I am not concerned whether God is with us or with them. I am only concerned whether I am with him. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to be only concerned if you're with him. Your concern is not the everything in the world that can stand against you. Well, I think that's why, you know, I always go back to identity as the foundation that we all need to get more solid on, you know, our identity as created by God, not our identity as dictated by the world or our identity as dictated by our life circumstances or our identity as dictated by the things that have happened to us, by the people and the words they've spoken to us, you know, by the schools we've gone to, by the friends that we've had, none of those things are meant to determine our identity. You know, none of those things are meant to define us, in fact. And I, I, I think that for those of you listening, it's important that you understand that as your identity is really clear in your own mind, because you have, you, you've, you've chosen to dive into the word of God, and 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 walk in what he tells you that he created you to be do say you know and think um you're not 
open to having your identity dictated by the world, by the people around you. Uh, you arrive at a very confident place in who you are and what you believe and, and in how to find your road and your purpose and your direction in life. And it's only once you are really rooted in your identity in Christ that I think you have the strength to actually, you know, become what it is that you're meant to become and to, and to actually walk in the fullness of your purpose for being here on earth. Um, it's a real time thing walking mm -hmm. with. It's not yeah. just, it's not just knowing who you are. It's knowing who you are in the moment with God. Yeah. It's having that communion with God in the moment. Having a head knowledge is only going to help so much. It'll help, but it's only going to help yeah. so much. Really having God with you in the moment is what you, how you want to experience life. While you're on a mission for the Lord, you don't want to be sent out away from God. You want God with you. When, uh, when Moses uh, was sent by the Lord into the desert, he said, I'm not going to go unless you go with us. I'm not going without you. Yeah. It's pretty don't beautiful. Go without him. Don't, don't go, go without him. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful, you know. And, and as we as we wrap up this week, I, I think that's probably the perfect place to end, you know, in your seeking and, and in your goings and comings, don't go without him, you know, don't seek anywhere, but with him, you know, don't seek to be anywhere, but with him, don't seek to listen to anyone else, but him don't seek to get a word from anybody, anything or anywhere unless it's a word from him, you know, and, and he is the word, the word is God, you know, and he, he, he gave himself to us. He poured himself out for us, not just on a cross, but he poured himself out for us in the Bible, you know, in the written word, which comes alive. And it really does speak. It speaks when you and I are, are in the word together, it speaks to me, you know, it speaks, it moves my heart. It, it causes me to think deeper about things and it shows me where, you know, I'm not living up to my purpose or the standard or something that, you know, God created me to do or, or a way to think or what have you. There's no more powerful word that you can get about your gift than in the word. So if there's one thing that you could say, Roger, to encourage uh, our listeners to really, you know, figure out what it means, you know, to, to, to be gifted, you know, what, what, what it means to find your identity in Christ. What would you say? Well, uh, one thing I would say is do not look at your past failures or successes. Those are not who you are what you do or how badly you fail or succeed. In fact, fact, the apostle Paul said this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I press on towards the high calling of God. But Paul of all people said that you will only succeed if you walk in the spirit. If, if you walk in the spirit, you cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. By the way, it's one of the ways to know whether you're walking in the spirit or not. Are you acting out in fleshly ways? Well, you're not in the spirit. Simple. Right. If you're walking in the spirit, you are not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So my, my uh, family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that are my identity. Am I with them or am I not? Am I separated from them? Forget your feelings for a minute. God doesn't uh, make you your heart all ooey-gooey necessarily. Don't confuse being emotional with being right. God loves you. He would never cast you away. He says that. I wouldn't cast anybody away who comes to me. 
come to him in the moment and he will be with you. It's your trust that then will enact him acting on your behalf. When you have faith, when you trust him, he will act on your behalf. Yeah. He will be with you. That's, that, that's, that's the perfect place to end. Um, so as you go about your week and, and think about these talks that we've been having on identity, I do encourage you to really, really try to reflect upon the stuff that we talk about, you know, here, because I, I, I'd love to hear your questions. I always want your questions and your feedback so that we can incorporate them into some of our conversations going forward. So I want to thank you guys for joining us this week. I'm Cynthia Garrett. You've been a part of another Girl Club session. Don't forget to like us, subscribe, share. Please comment uh, as you listen on podcast and um, help us grow. We think it's a we think it's a great place to be every week. So until next time, you are you are who you you are who you decide you're gonna you're gonna educate yourself to be, and I hope you educate yourself to be all that God has created you to be. I'll see you next week. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose have you ever found yourself on the ledge my name is Billy Yates I'm a caring father mentor and friend in my new podcast Billy on the Goat I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.